Shalom, and I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. We are currently studying the biblical festivals, and this session will be our second and final session on the subject of Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And in this session, we are going to be examining the services of Yom Kippur. This will include the priestly service of Yom Kippur that is described in Leviticus in chapter 16, as well as including an explanation of what is in today's traditional Judaism, the Nila service, which is the last service of Yom Kippur. In traditional Judaism, the readings from the scripture on Yom Kippur, the Torah portion in the morning service, comes from Leviticus in chapter 16. And that is what we are going to be examining in detail in this session. In the afternoon service in traditional Judaism, the Torah portion comes from Leviticus in chapter 18. The half Torah portion in the afternoon is a reading of the book of Jonah. The reason why the book of Jonah is read is because that book deals with the subject of repentance and how repentance happened once Jonah was obedient unto the God of Israel and shared the message which he was supposed to share to Nineveh, that Nineveh ended up repenting. And repentance, of course, is a major theme and aspect of Yom Kippur. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 17, we can see that atonement is to be made for the entire nation of Israel. It is written, And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goes in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and he has made atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. The earthly tabernacle which was instructed to be built through Moses is a type of the true heavenly tabernacle. We can see this in Hebrews in chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 and verse 5 and then in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 it is written, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest and this high priest which is Yeshua, he is over the heavenly tabernacle, the true tabernacle, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, says he, that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you in the mount, which is quoting and making a reference to Exodus 
or Shemot chapter 25 and verse 9. Now in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 it is written, For Messiah is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure or the type or the shadow of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Aaron was a priest of the Levitical priesthood. Yeshua is the great high priest of the renewed covenant and the priesthood of the renewed covenant is the Melchizedek priesthood. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 it is written, Wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession Messiah Yeshua. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Aaron was a high priest and a mediator. Aaron was the high priest of the nation of Israel who played the role of mediator and intercessor for the sins of the nation of Israel on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. Our mediator in the renewed covenant and our intercessor is Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua is not only our high priest, as we just read from Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 and Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, but he is also the mediator between God the Father and the sin that has been occurred by all of mankind, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God of Israel. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 it is written, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Messiah, Yeshua. Yeshua is our mediator as we can see as well in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 and Hebrews in chapter 12 in verse 24 as it is written. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And to Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Yeshua is our intercessor, and he intercedes on our behalf unto God the Father. In Romans chapter 8 verse 34 it is written, Who is he that condemns? It is Messiah that died, yea rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Yeshua is our intercessor as we can also see from Hebrews chapter 7 verses 22 and 25, as it is written. By so much was Yeshua made a surety of a better testament. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. In 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, it is written, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. 
and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The high priest of the Levitical priesthood went into the veil once a year. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2, it is written, And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Believers in Yeshua are called to be priests unto him. And we have a priestly ministry in Yeshua. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and then Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, it is written, You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua Messiah. And he has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Believers in Yeshua are his priests as we can see by now looking at Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Because he is our priest, we are instructed that we are able to come into his throne to find grace and help in a time of need. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Now, continuing on in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, it is written, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Yeshua. See, we can come into the holiest by his blood, by a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Aaron, in performing his Yom Kippur priestly service, washed himself in water. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 3 and verse 4, it is written, Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with the linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. Yeshua is our fountain of living water. In order for our sins to be forgiven, we need to be washed by the water of the living Torah, Yeshua HaMashiach, through his word. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, it is written, O Lord, and the King James says, the hope of Israel. But that word hope is the Strong's number 4723. It is the Hebrew word mikvah, which means immersion. It literally says, O Lord, the immersion 
the mikvah bath of Israel. All that forsake you shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. And in order to have a mikvah, one of the requirements of a mikvah is it's to be mayim hayim, it's to be living water. So in order to be cleansed from our sins, we need Yeshua's blood, and we also need to be washed by his mikvah bath, he being the fountain of living waters. We are to be washed with clean water. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, it is written, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. We are to be born of water to enter the kingdom of the God of Israel. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it is written, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yeshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Notice one is seeing the kingdom and the other is entering into the kingdom. You have to have a renewed heart and that renewed heart and that walk comes by his spirit being led in spirit and in truth. We are to be washed and sanctified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and verse 11, it is written, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And such were some of you, but you are now washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of Yahweh Yeshua and by the Spirit of our God. Our hearts are to be sprinkled with water. In Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 22, it is written, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Back to the Levitical priestly service of Yom Kippur. In the high priest ceremony of atonement, Aaron took a bowl and made atonement for himself and for his household. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 6, it is written, And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. Next, Aaron took two goats and cast lots for them. One goat was labeled to Yahweh. The other goat was labeled to Azazel. This can be seen in Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 5 and reading also 
verse 7 and 8, as it is written. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for Yahweh and the other lot for the scapegoat or Azazel. The goat upon whom fell the lot to Yahweh was given to be a sin offering for the nation of Israel. In Leviticus chapter 16 verse 9 and verse 15 it is written, And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which Yahweh's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Spiritually, Yeshua is our sin offering. Yeshua is a type of the goat labeled to Yahweh. When Yeshua died on the tree, he became a sin offering unto God the Father for the sins of the entire world. In Isaiah, or Yeshiahu, chapter 53, and verse 1 and verses 4 and 5, it is written, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Yeshua died to save us from our sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it is written, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we can see this as well as it is written grace be to you and shalom or peace from god the father and from our yahweh yeshua messiah who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of god and our father then in titus chapter 2 and verses 13 and 14 it is written looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior yeshua messiah who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works first john chapter 2 verse 2 and in first john chapter 4 verse 10 it is written, And he, Yeshua, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The high priest in the Levitical ceremony for Yom Kippur would pronounce the name Yahweh ten times on Yom Kippur. Three times this was done during each of his confessions and once when he cast lots to select the goat to be offered as a sin offering and the other goat to be sent into the wilderness. When the goat selected to be the sin offering was identified through the casting of lots, the high priest would say that it was sanctified as a sin offering to the God of Israel using the divine name Yahweh. This thought is an explanation is found in the book 
The Book of Our Heritage by Eliyahu Kitov, Volume 1, page 97. In the book, The Book of Our Heritage, Volume 1, on page 97, it goes on to say, When the priests and the people gathered in the courtyard, they would hear the high priest pronounce the divine name Yahweh. They would kneel, bow down, and fall on their faces, crying, Baruch Shem Kivod Machuto Leolam Va'ed, which translates, Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. In the Talmud, in Yoma 41b, which is the tractate in the Talmud that describes about the events of Yom Kippur, it is written there, He, that is the high priest, bound a thread of crimson wool on the head of the he-goat, which was to be sent away, and in the meantime, he placed it at the gate whence it was to be sent away, and the he-goat that was to be slaughtered at the place of the slaughtering. He came to his bullock a second time, pressed his two hands upon it, and he made confession. And he would say, O Lord, I have dealt wrongfully, I have transgressed, I have sinned before you. I and my house and the children of Aaron, your holy people, O Lord, pray forgive the wrongdoings, the transgression, the sins which I have committed, transgressed and sinned before you, I and my house and the children of Aaron, your holy people. As it is written in the Torah of Moses, your servant, for on this day atonement be made for you to cleanse you from all the sins shall you be clean before the Lord. And they responded, Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Azazel is regarded as the scapegoat. The goat upon whom fell the lot to Azazel was sent into the wilderness. Before the goat was sent out, the high priest laid his hands upon the head of the goat and confessed the sins of the nation of Israel, putting the sins of the nation of Israel upon the goat. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 10, and verses 20 through 22, it is written, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. In Leviticus chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, it is written, And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. The Hebrew word for Azazel is scapegoat. Azazel is seen as a type of Satan or Hasatan, the adversary, in the extra-biblical book of Enoch, chapter 8 and verse 1. The sins being laid upon Azazel and being sent into the wilderness can be seen as a type of judgment upon Satan or Hasatan who will be cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 it is written, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The crimson thread was put upon Azazel. One of the customs of Yom Kippur is that a crimson sash was tied around the horns of the goat labeled to Azazel. Why was a crimson sash used? It is explained in the Talmud in Shabbat 86a that it is based upon Isaiah 
chapter 1, verse 18, which says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In the Talmud it says, How do we know that a crimson-colored strap is tied to the head of the goat that is sent and regarded as Azazel? Because it is said, If your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This is found in Shabbat 86a. The Talmud describes how the goat was led into the wilderness and how this goat was cast off a cliff. What did he do? He divided the thread of crimson wool and tied one half to the rock, the other half between its horns, and pushed it from behind. And it went rolling down, and before it had reached half its way downhill, it was dashed to pieces. And this is found in Yoma 67a. Another custom is that a crimson wool thread was tied to the entrance of the ulam at the temple. It was considered a sign that the God of Israel had forgiven the sins of the nation of Israel if the crimson wool thread turned white after the goat labeled Azazel was cast off a cliff into the wilderness. In the Talmud in Yoma 67a, it says, Our rabbis taught, In the beginning they would tie the thread of crimson wool on the entrance of the ulam, which is the hall leading to the interior of the temple without. If it became white, they rejoiced. If it did not become white, they were sad and ashamed. Thereupon they arranged to tie it to the entrance of the ulam within, but they were still peeping through, and if it became white, they rejoiced, whereas if it did not become white, they grew sad and ashamed. Thereupon they arranged to tie one half to the rock and the other half between its horns. Rabbi Nahum, son of Papa, said in the name of Rabbi Eleazar HaKapar, Originally they used to tie the thread of crimson wool to the entrance of the ulam within, and as soon as the he-goat reached the wilderness, it turned white. Then they knew that the commandment concerning it had been fulfilled, as it is said from Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, If your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. However, it is also recorded in the Talmud in Yoma 39a that 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple, which happened in the year 70, the crimson wool thread at the temple did not turn white. It says in the Talmud, Our rabbis taught during the last 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the lot for the Lord or to Yahweh did not come up in the right hand. It always came up in the right hand. But for those 40 years, it didn't come up in the right hand. Nor did the crimson-colored strap become white as it did in previous years. And of course, we know that these 40 years were the years between the death of Yeshua on the tree and the destruction of the temple. So, God the Father, I believe, was communicating that in order for your sins to be forgiven, you need to accept the redemptive work of Yeshua when he died on the tree for the forgiveness of our sins. Back to Leviticus in chapter 16 regarding the Levitical high priest ceremony that took place on Yom Kippur as a part of 
this ceremony, Aaron put on holy garments. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 4 and verse 32, it is written, He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And the priest, whom he shall anoint, and whom he shall consecrate, to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead, shall make the atonement, and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. Notice you're putting on the holy garments. As a part of this process, the high priest would change his clothes multiple times. The high priest changed his clothing five times on Yom Kippur. Each time he changed his clothing, he immersed himself in a mikvah, an immersion bath. During all of the service inside the Holy of Holies, the high priest would wear white garments. This thought and understanding is found in the Book of Our Heritage, Volume 1, and page 96. We are to put off the world, the sin of the world, the world's ways, and put on Messiah. Dirty garments represent the sin of the world. Believers in Yeshua as Messiah are commanded to put off the sin of the world and put on Yeshua. In Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it is written, But put ye on Yahweh Yeshua HaMashiach, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We can also see this principle in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, as it is written, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the former manner of life, the old man, the man that lived according to the flesh and the ways of the world, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. That is the man that is reborn in Messiah Yeshua, has the indwelling Ruach HaKodesh, and is led by the Ruach, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, and then verse 14, it is written, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. So this putting on is related to the high priest. He put on holy garments, and this is the spiritual application of putting on holy garments. The high priest on the Day of Atonement also put on white garments. White garments represent clothes of purity, righteousness, and the wedding dress of a bride. In Job chapter 29 verse 14 it is written, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. In Psalm 132 verse 9 it is written, Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. The bride 
Her wedding dress is white. In Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, it is written, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Those who overcome, we're told in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 5, that we wear white. And what do we overcome? Sin, the ways of the world, our flesh. And when we overcome that, we wear white, which is what? Righteousness, following after the ways of the God of Israel. That being the new man. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels white represents the righteous acts or the righteous deeds of the saints living a holy life unto the god of israel in revelation chapter 19 verses 7 and 8 it is written let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arraigned in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. On Yom Kippur, it is a Jewish custom to wear white clothing. Some wear a kittle, which is a white robe worn over the clothing. And we are told about this custom in the Book of Our Heritage, Volume 1, and page 78. Back to the Levitical priestly service of Yom Kippur, the bodies of the animals that were offered as a sin offering were burned outside the camp. We can see this, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 27, and the bullock for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall one carry forth without or outside the camp, and they shall burn it in the fire, their skins and their flesh and their dung. Yeshua is a type of this offering that was placed outside of the camp because it tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 11 and 12, it tells us these words, that the bodies of those beasts, referring back to what we just read in Leviticus 16, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin on the day of atonement, are burned outside or without the camp. Wherefore, Yeshua, also that he might sanctify the people by his own blood, he suffered outside the gate. So Yeshua is a type of the sin offering that was made on Yom Kippur for us, or on our behalf. We are told that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, it is written, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. While the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, the blood of Yeshua can take away our sin and 
not only does the blood of Yeshua is able to take away our sin when we repent of our sin, but Yeshua himself has the power to forgive us of our sins. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 and verse 6, it is written, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Yeshua, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then said he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go unto your house. Messiah shed his blood on the tree to take away our sins. In Matthew chapter 26, in verse 28, it is written, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood of Yeshua takes away our sins, as we can see from Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believes in Yeshua. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it is written, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Then, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, and also in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, we can also see that the blood of Yeshua takes away our sin, as it is written. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And from Yeshua Messiah, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood. The blood of Messiah reconciles us unto God the Father. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 it is written, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. The blood of Messiah provides us with eternal redemption. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it is written, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. That is in the heavenly tabernacle, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it is written, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. In Romans chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it is written, quoting and making a reference back to Psalm chapter 32, verse 1. It is written in Romans in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the following. Even as David also describes the blessedness 
of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. What is sin? We are given an explicit definition of sin in 1 John in chapter 3 and verse 4 where it says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses the Torah, for sin is the transgression of the Torah. Notice the only way that you can sin and be regarded as a sinner is to transgress the Torah. So if we are sinners by transgressing the Torah, how are we to be a holy people? By not transgressing the Torah. So if we are to be a holy people, which is what we're commanded to do as believers in Yeshua the Messiah, Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you keep his commandments, you don't sin. And if you keep his commandments, you are living a holy life unto him. We need to confess our sins to be forgiven by the blood of Yeshua. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 5, it is written, I acknowledged my sin unto you, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it is written, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. We can see the need to confess our sins in order to be forgiven of our sins from 1 John chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9 as it is written. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let's look at the association of Yom Kippur to the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53 as found in the prayer book of traditional Judaism for Yom Kippur. What we have covered so far in the message is an examining of the ceremony of the Levitical priests from Leviticus in chapter 16, wherein he went in and ultimately was able, by confessing his sins, the sins of his household, and the sins of the nation, to make atonement for the people of the God of Israel. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at where in the traditional Jewish prayer book for Yom Kippur, it makes mention about Isaiah 53 and the Messiah. And the source where I'm going to be presenting you this information specifically can be found in the services for Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement put out by the Hebrew Publishing Company in New York. And this particular version is copyright 1928 by the Star Hebrew Book Company in New York. And if we look at the contents of the prayer service and the prayer book for Yom Kippur, the section where we're going to find the mentioning of Messiah in Isaiah 53 as it relates to Yom Kippur is following the section called Unsane 
Thokif, which in this publication is found on page 283. But what I'm going to show you is found following that on page 288. So this is what we find as part of the prayers of Yom Kippur. Though he should be exceedingly angry with his people, yet will the Holy One not awaken all his wrath. We have hitherto been cut off through our evil deeds. Yet hast thou, O our rock, not brought consummation on us, or ultimate destruction. Our righteous anointed is departed from us. Whore has seized us, and we have none to justify us. He has borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgression and is wounded because of our transgression. He bears our sins on his shoulder that he may find pardon for our iniquities. We shall be healed by his wound at the time that the Eternal will create him, that is the Messiah, as a new creature. Oh, bring him up, bring him up from the circle of the earth. Raise him up from Seir to assemble us the second time on Mount Lebanon by the hand of Yenon, which is a term for the Messiah. This is speaking about the Messiah, Isaiah 53, and his role to bring redemption and forgiveness of sin unto his people. Now we are going to look at the Nilah service. The Nilah service is the final part of the service of Yom Kippur as a part of a traditional Jewish service for Yom Kippur. And we're going to look at some parts of the Nilah service and see its spiritual application and meaning to us as believers in Yeshua the Messiah. The rabbis teach that Yom Kippur is the climax of the ten days of repentance or the high holy days. Even so, the rabbis teach that even as Yom Kippur is the climax of the ten days of repentance. The Nilah service is the climax of Yom Kippur. The heavenly judgment inscribed on Rosh Hashanah is sealed during the Nilah service. This thought can be found in the Art Scroll Mizorah, the Yom Kippur Ashkenaz Maksor, or the prayer book for Yom Kippur on page 706. Nilah is known as the time of the closing of the gates of heaven. Now, looking at the Nilah service from the, the art scroll Ashkenaz Maksor, the Nilah service on page 709, it mentions these words in the prayers. A redeemer shall come to Zion, and to those of Jacob who repent from willful sin, the words of Hashem. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says Hashem. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have placed in your mouth shall not be withdrawn from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says Hashem, from this moment and forever. And then the Hazan chants, You are the Holy One enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And one angel will call another and say, Holy, holy, holy is Hashem, Master of Legions. The whole world is filled with His glory. And they receive permission one from another and say, Holy is the most exalted heaven, the abode of His presence, holy on earth, 
product of his strength, holy forever and ever is Hashem, master of legions. The entire world is filled with the radiance of his glory. What we're going to do is we're going to look at where it says here, a redeemer shall come to Zion, the holy one that's enthroned on the praises of Israel, and that the whole earth is filled with his glory. We're going to see how this in truth speaks about Yeshua, the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 20 and 21, it is written that a Redeemer will come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed seed, says the Lord, from henceforth and forevermore. Yeshua is the Redeemer of Israel because a Redeemer will come to Zion. Job chapter 19 verse 25 it is written, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at the latter day upon the earth. What's the latter day? When he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4. Romans chapter 11 verse 26 quotes from Isaiah 59 verse 20 as it is written. So all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Yeshua is the Holy One of Israel. Because the prayer said you are the Holy One enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3 it is written. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Who is this speaking of? This is speaking of Yeshua the Messiah. And Yeshua is the one that sits on the throne of his glory. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 and verse 8. It is written, And from Yeshua Messiah, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says Yahweh, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. We can also see that Yeshua is the one that sits on his throne of his glory. As the prayer said about the God of Israel, that he sits on the throne of his glory. We can see this application to Yeshua by looking at Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, verse 6, and verse 8, as it is written. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Yahweh God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Who is it said is the one that which was, which is, and which is to come? In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, it's the one who is also the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. It's Yeshua. He is the Almighty. How do you say Almighty in Hebrew? El Shaddai. So the one that's being described here in Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, where they say holy, 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 which was, which is, and is to come, this is a description of Yeshua being the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
Yeshua is the one that sits on the throne of his glory. Yom Kippur is about repenting of our sins. The Hebrew word for confession of our sin is vidui. As a part of the prayers of Yom Kippur and the confession of sin, these words are mentioned in the prayer book. Our God and the God of our forefathers, may our prayer come before you and do not ignore our supplication. For we are not so brazen and obstinate as to say before you, the Lord our God and God of our forefathers, that we are righteous and have not sinned. Rather, we and our forefathers have sinned. And as part of the many confessions among the confessions in the prayer books of sin includes the following. We have become guilty. We have betrayed. We have robbed. We have spoken slander. We have caused perversion. We have caused wickedness. We have sinned willfully. We have accused falsely. We have given evil counsel. We have been deceitful. We have rebelled. We have been perverse. We have been obstinate. We have been wicked. We have broken your commandments. And looking at the Badui confession of the Nila service, on page 725 of the Art Scroll Ashkenaz Maxor prayer book for Yom Kippur, and going through the prayer, ultimately as a part of the prayer is these words, which we can find at the bottom of page 725, that your beloved ones be given rest and let your right hand save. The prayer is that the right hand would save them. And of course, we know that the right hand is Yeshua. As I'm showing you some of these things from the prayer books, which we identify as being attributes in association with Yeshua, that's why Yeshua was able to say in the book of Matthew that this people honor me with their lips. They're speaking of him and referring to him in the prayers, but their hearts are far from him. They don't acknowledge him as the Messiah in their hearts, but they are speaking and making an association of him with their lips, him being these things that we just examined. The God of Israel forgives our sins through Yeshua the Messiah. Once again, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeshua is the Savior and the King of Israel. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it is written, that if you will confess with your mouth Yahweh Yeshua and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, redeemed, delivered. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. As a part of the Nila service, there's the sounding of the shofar. And the shofar sound that is made in the Nila service is a tikiah. This shofar that is blown is known as the great shofar or the shofar hagadol. The shofar that is sounded at the end of the Nila service is known as the great shofar or the shofar hagadol. The rabbis teach that the shofar inspires within us a yearning for the shofar that will herald our ultimate freedom, the great shofar that will announce the coming of Messiah. Notice it's the great shofar that announces the coming of Messiah. 
This is also the reason for the custom to call out next year in Jerusalem, which is a proclamation for the coming of the Messiah in the Messianic era. This is found in the Art Scroll, Mazorah, Yom Kippur, Ashkenaz, Maxor prayer book on page 765. A single tikiah is sounded on the shofar. In Isaiah chapter 27, verse 13, we can see how the shofar that is blown to gather the exiles of Israel is the great shofar. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. What is the holy mount in Jerusalem? It's Mount Zion, and what's this referring to? The Messianic era, Isaiah in chapter 2, and verses 2 and 3. We can see how the great shofar will be sounded to herald the coming of the Messiah, even as the rabbis expect. We can see this by looking at Matthew in chapter 24 and verses 29 through 31, as it is written. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, that is the shofar Haggadol, which heralds the ultimate redemption, the coming of the Messiah, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. When Yeshua returns at his second coming, he will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And when he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, it will be on the day of Yom Kippur. Furthermore, it will be in the biblical year of Jubilee. So by looking at the attributes and themes and events that are associated with Yom Kippur, we should be able to see this from the scripture verses. So in Isaiah chapter 63, in verses 1 and 2, it is written, Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his might. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Who is he that speaks in righteousness, mighty to save? That's Yeshua. Why are you red in your apparel and your garment like him that treads in the wine fat? His apparel being red is likened to the high priest on Yom Kippur when he did the various sacrifices and he had to change his clothes. He had to change his clothes because in performing the sacrifices, his garments would get stained. They would get red. Also, they are stained because Yeshua is coming back as a warrior. When you are in war, you get bloody. So Yom Kippur and him coming back as a warrior is why he is red in his apparel. It goes on to say in Isaiah 63, verses 3 and 4, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. This is Yom Kippur terminology. So in describing his second coming, it's describing Yom Kippur terminology about the garments of Yeshua being blood-stained. And I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. That's him being a, a mighty warrior and judging the nations. 
and the year of my redeemed is come. The year of my redeemed is the Jubilee. So Yeshua is setting his feet down in the Mount of Olives on Yom Kippur in the year of Jubilee. And we can see his return and victory and, and power in the book of Revelation in chapter 19 where Yeshua is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And once again in describing him coming to the earth to rule and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's described and it uses Yom Kippur terminology. Let's examine it. Revelation chapter 19 verse 13 and verse 14 it is written, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, a vesture dipped in blood, Yom Kippur, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, and a white horse is a horse of conquering and victory. When you win the war, you ride into town on a white horse, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Their garments are white and clean. Why? Because their sins have been forgiven. Revelation 19, verses 15 and 16. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. When's he ruling them with a rod of iron? When he returns and rules and reigns during the Messianic era. So he's coming to the earth to rule and reign during the Messianic era, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He's a victorious warrior. And he has on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When Yeshua returns, these words are got to be proclaimed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeshua said he would not return until Jerusalem said unto him, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Luke chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it is written, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is going to conclude our teaching session on Yom Kippur. In this session, we examine the services that are associated with Yom Kippur. First, we looked at the Levitical high priest ceremony of Yom Kippur as found in Leviticus in chapter 16. These services picture and personify Yeshua and how he offers forgiveness of sin to the nation of Israel. Yeshua is our high priest. Yeshua is our mediator. Yeshua is our intercessor before the God of Israel. And it's through the blood of Yeshua where we have the forgiveness of our sins. On Yom Kippur is a part of what the high priest was required to do. He would have various changes of garments. These change of garments is a picture of us, of how we're progressing in our walk in the God of Israel. And as we go to a higher and higher place, we have to continually be putting off the world and the ways of the world and continually putting on more and more of Yeshua the Messiah. Putting off the world putting on Yeshua and being led by his Ruach HaKodesh and what we say and what we do. In the service of Yom Kippur, the high priest wore white. White is a picture of 
spiritual purity and righteousness. It is also a picture of the forgiveness of our sins. So we examined the the detailed elements and aspects of the Yom Kippur service and how they related to us as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. There were two lots that were cast. One was to the Lord and one was to Azazel. The lot cast to Azazel is a picture of the judgment that will ultimately be placed upon Hasatan, the devil, from his mischievous work that he has performed upon the people who live on the earth. Even as the scapegoat was cast in the wilderness, Hasatan will be cast into the lake of fire. And then the lot that was to the Lord is a picture of the redemptive work of Yeshua the Messiah. We are told in the Talmud that 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple, that what normally happened year by year, and that is the crimson sash that was tied to one of the goats, that it would turn white, indicating... The, the forgiveness of the sins of the people after the Yom Kippur day, that that crimson sash did not turn white 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple. And we know that that is the period of time between the death of Messiah on the tree and the destruction of the temple. I believe the God of Israel was communicating through those events that he wanted to point his forgiveness of sins for his people was through the redemptive work of Yeshua on the tree. And then after looking at the details of those aspects of the high priest Levitical ceremonies of Yom Kippur, uh, we looked at the Nila service, which is a part of the synagogue Yom Kippur services today. And in the Nila service, we looked at some parts of their prayers that we identify that's associated with Yeshua the Messiah. And we also saw from one of the prayer books that we cited how the prayers mentioned Isaiah in chapter 53. That reference there is and was about the Messiah. Then we saw from the Nila service that a shofar is blown and this shofar is known as the great shofar and this great shofar is associated with the coming of messiah the ingathering of the exiles and the messianic era so we looked at those scripture passages and saw how that association was made so this is going to conclude our teaching sessions on the festival of yom kippur or the day of atonement Once again, I pray that this teaching has been a blessing to you, and let us always remember the words from 1 John in chapter 2 and verse 6 that says, He who says he abides in him, he who says that he's a believer in Yeshua the Messiah, ought himself to walk, that is to live our lives, even as he walked. And how did he live his life? He kept the commandments, he kept the Torah of the God of Israel, and then he told us, If you love me, keep my commandments. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.